Well, good morning. So glad you're here. I want to say hello to all of you who are watching on television and online as well. For those of you who are in the room, would you please welcome our online television audience. Eddie Ray and I, we like to tell each other jokes, and we like to do dad jokes. Sometimes they're bad jokes, like that one. Eddie Ray came up to me this week, and he said, Dad, what is blue and smells like red paint? I said, what? He goes, duh, blue paint. That's good. That's good. So I look at my eight-year-old, and I say, why is Peter Pan always flying? Why? I said, because he's from Neverland. Yeah? Boo. They didn't like it, Jared. (laughs) Jared came up to him and he said, preacher, don't quit your day job. But since you're a preacher, I'll say don't quit your Sunday morning job. (laughs) So some of you will get that later. There's a phrase that we say often. And the phrase seems to flow freely out of our lips. I've said it, you've said it, everybody's said it. The phrase can be a statement of humility and humbleness, but the phrase can also limit us in many ways. The phrase that I'm talking about is the phrase, I can't. I can't. I can't improve my circumstances. I can't get out of this horrible job. I can't manage my money. I can't get over the past. I can't find peace. I can't see a way forward. I can't change my habits. I can't get my life together. And the I can'ts go on and on, don't they? In Luke chapter 1, that's where we're going to be this morning, if you would like to turn there. Our readings from this past week showed us Elizabeth and Zechariah and Mary and Joseph. And what we saw in Elizabeth and Zechariah's life and Mary and Joseph's life was that they had an I can't. And their I can't had to do with them not being able to have a child. And then their I can't was they could not believe that it was actually happening. You see, one was too old and one was too young. Elizabeth and Zechariah lived with the feelings that, well, maybe life had passed them by and they missed their opportunity to be parents, even though they've been faithful to God their whole life. Mary and Joseph, on the other hand, they had not even had time to establish their family well, much less think about expanding. Elizabeth and Zechariah felt like they had too little time left, while Mary and Joseph, it seemed, like time was moving at warp speed and happening way too fast and beyond their control. Both couples lived with an I can't. Zechariah put it this way in Luke 1.18, after hearing this news that they were going to have a son. Verse 18 says, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I, I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Gentlemen, you need to pick up on that. Notice what Zechariah said. He's smart. You can learn from him. He says, I'm an old man, but my wife, and then he stuttered. My, well, 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 well my, she's advanced in years. <laughs> Mary put it this way in Luke 1.34. She said, after hearing the news, 
Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? You see, both couples, they were stating something that was true, at least at that point in their life. It was true up until that point in their life, but there's a problem. There's a problem with their I can't. There's a big problem with that phrase for each of us, actually. You see, the problem with the phrase, I can't, is, well, it it really doesn't translate in heaven. It doesn't work well in heaven. When an earthly declaration of I can't is stated, I can't do something, I can't become someone, Whenever that's stated, what echoes around the halls of heaven is God can. God can. See, think about it just for a moment. God can say, I won't. God can say, I choose not to. But God cannot say, I can't. In fact, the only I can't that God can say is God can say, I can't say I can't, which means he can. The phrase I can't is a uniquely human phrase. It's uniquely human to each of us because it's based on the limitations that we as humans have. Now, it's not altogether bad. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's a good thing to see our limitations, to see that, you know, that you cannot scuba dive, fly, or parachute without help. It's a good thing, right, to see our own limitations as human beings. The recognition of I can't can be healthy for us sometimes. It takes a fair amount of self-awareness to actually say the words I can't, but we as Christians, we have to learn how to finish the sentence, We have to learn how to finish the sentence and say, I can't, but God can. I can't, but God can. You see, this is what Elizabeth learned during this experience as she became pregnant with John in Luke 1. She she received this major revelation in Luke 1, 24 and 25. Look at these words. After they received this news... After she conceives, it says, after these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived, and for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, verse 25, thus the Lord has done for me in these days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. The revelation that Elizabeth received on this day was that I can't, but God can. That's the short version. The expanded version is I can't, but God can, and he sees me. And he sees what I cannot do on my own. Notice verse 25. It says, thus the Lord has done for me in these days when he looked on me, looked on me. She came to understand that God sees her. He looks upon her, if you will. You see, right now, God is completely aware. You may ask, of what? The answer is, all of it. God is aware. God sees you, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you're walking through right now, no matter what you're carrying right now, God sees you. 
God knows about the strange relationships you have with a loved one. He knows about the broken promises you have experienced. He knows about the hopes that have been dashed. He knows about the grief that will not give up. He knows about the regrets that won't seem to relent. And even though God knows all of that, he loves to step into our life just like he did for Elizabeth, and he loves to take away our reproach was the word she used. Notice verse 25 again. It says that he has looked on me to take away my reproach, notice, among people. Not before God, but among people. The word reproach, its basic definition, means disapproval. It says that God has taken away my social disapproval because it's among people, again, not before God. And in this moment, this is what Elizabeth has experienced, that God has stepped into her life, he has answered a prayer for her, and he has seen her in her situation, and in answering that prayer, he has taken away the social disapproval that she had been living with for many years. You see, Elizabeth had been canceled by the other mothers in the neighborhood. She was no longer invited to the baby showers and the parties. But God saw her, and God answered her prayer in this moment. What we see here is that God loves to take away our social disapproval. We call it shame. He loves to take away our shame, all the shame that our I can'ts bring into our life. This raises the natural question, what is your I can't? What is yours? Every I can't on earth is a God can in heaven. And what connects those two realities is that God sees us in the midst of our I can't. So many times we think our can'ts, if you will, actually separate us from God. That is not true. Your I can't has not distanced you from God. In fact, what it has caused is for him to focus on you more intently. That's what Elizabeth learns on this day. In the midst of my, I can't do something, accomplish something, become someone. In her case, it was a mother. In the midst of that, God saw her. He looked on her. Not just a glance. He focused in. Here's what we see from Mary's life. Mary said in Luke 1, 38... In response to this news that she had received, her response was, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the text says, and then the angel departed from her. After delivering the message, this is how she responds. Let it be to me according to your word. Meaning the word of the angel, which is revealing the will of God. See, right here, Mary teaches us that she learned how to say, I can't, but God can. Again, the longer version is, I can't, but God can if he wills. If he wills. Notice that in Mary's response, she identified as a servant. The implication is, is that servants are indifferent to all but the will of their master. And for us who serve the Lord, we are servants of God. The implication for us is that we are indifferent to all but the will of God. 
And to be a willful servant of God, someone who really lays down their life to follow God, to try to walk in his ways and walk in his will, in order to do that, we have to see two things about God. Number one, we have to see God's greatness. And number two, we have to see his goodness. And both of those realities are important. Because it's when we see God's greatness, how vast his greatness is for us, and at the same time we see his goodness toward us, that's when we trust him. That's when we trust. See, whenever we experience those moments in life when we stop trusting God, most of the time that means we've lost sight of one of those two realities. Either we've lost sight of the greatness of God and we think that God's not bigger than my I can't. Or we lose sight of the goodness of God and we say, God may be great, but he doesn't care about my I can't. You ever been there? You ever thought, I don't know how God can fix this one? Or have you ever thought, I don't know if God cares about me in the midst of of this one. You see, God is great enough to stand over us and for us to reside under his shadow in his protection. He's great enough to stand over us, but he's also good enough to stoop down to us as well. And the reason why is because nothing is too big for God's greatness and nothing is too small for his goodness. Nothing's too big for his greatness and nothing is too small for his Goodness, And when God begins to do something in our life, when he begins to stir, particularly when he's doing a new thing like he's doing in Elizabeth and Zachariah's life or Mary and Joseph's life, when God is doing a new thing, normally it's one of these two realities begin to be tested. We begin to question, is God really great or is God really good? And we begin to wrestle with that in our own heart and minds. I mean, think about Mary. Think about where she's at right now. She's so young. I mean, her, her family is, it's not really even official yet in that culture, if you think about it. And maybe Mary is asking questions like, God, if you're so great, why did you allow this to happen? Things seem to be out of order here, God. If you're so great, why did you allow this to happen? Have you ever asked that question? Or maybe, maybe Mary is asking the question, God, if you're so good, don't you care enough to stop this? You ever ask that question? I think Mary's living in this tension as she's working out what God is doing in her life, this newness. I don't know exactly what question she's asking, but we know they're deep questions of the heart. Think about Zechariah. Zechariah in Luke 1, he gets to go into the temple and he gets to offer incense in the temple. Zechariah is one of 18,000 priests in Israel at this point. To go into the temple and offer incense would have been one of the greatest privileges of his priestly career. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. While he's in there, God shows up through Gabriel and speaks to him and tells him he's going to have a son. I wonder what's going through Zechariah's mind during all of this. Maybe he's asking questions like, God, in your goodness, you've allowed me this opportunity to come and worship and lead worship in the temple, but but God, are you really great? Are you great enough to fix our fertility challenges? 
Or, or maybe Zechariah is flipping those two questions. Maybe Zechariah is saying, God, I see your greatness in this opportunity to come in and lead worship in the temple in this way, but, but God, are you really good to me and my wife to fix what we're going through? Again, these are questions we all ask. I think people like Mary and people like Zechariah, they're, they're asking these serious heart questions as they're walking through, uh, through this. See, you, you and I, we get the privilege of reading through it real quick, getting to the good part real fast. But time's not moving that fast as you move through the text as they were living it. But here's what we see. While they may be wrestling with these I can'ts, and while they're living with even those I don't understand all of this, while they're living with all of those emotions and all of those thoughts that are running through their mind, their conclusion was God is great and God is good. That's where they concluded. All the wrestling internally, all the conversations, late night conversations that they probably had with their spouse, all of that led to the, this place where they said God is great and God is Good. Here's what Mary said in verse 46 and following. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Notice, she says, God is Lord, and He is Savior. He is great. He is great as my Lord. He is great as my Savior. Notice verse 48. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. Not only that, from now on, all generations will call me, Mary said, blessed. Notice she says, God is great. He is Lord. He is Savior. He can do those big things. But he also looks on me in my humble estate. Same language that Elizabeth used, by the way. Mary came to the same conclusion. He looks on me. Verse 49, for he is mighty. For he who is mighty has done great things. God is great. But notice who he did them for. For me, she says. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. He is great and he is good. He is great and he is good. And then she says in verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. That's me and you. So what Mary says is that God is great and God is good. He is great in all of his vast greatness, but he is good to me, personally to me. And this is true for every person who fears him throughout all generations, which means it's true for you and me as well. She goes on. She says, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. What she's saying. She's saying God is great. He can do this. He is powerful enough to do this. But then notice she says God is good. He exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Verse 55, he has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Notice that. She says, oh, God is great. The strength of his arms, he scatters the proud. He's brought down the mighty and at the same time, he exalts those who are humble. He fills the hungry. He helps his servant Israel. And he speaks to us because he's good. He's great and he is good. This is what we see from Zechariah as well. Pick it up in verse 68. Zechariah prophesies, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, blessed be the God of Israel. 
the Lord God of Israel. He is great. What has he done? For he has visited and redeemed his people. Yes, he's Lord God, but he's not just a distant Lord or God. He comes and he visits and he redeems his people because he is good. He is both great and he is good. He goes on. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Verse 70, he has, he had, for he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old. God does all of this in his greatness. He is the one that brings salvation. He is the one that established the house of David. He is the one who speaks through the prophets. And then notice why he does it. Verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore by our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. See, he's the one that brings salvation. He is the one that established the house of David. He is the one that speaks to the prophets in all of his greatness, and he does it so that we could be saved, so that we could be shown mercy, so that he could keep his promises to us, so that we could be delivered, and so that we could serve him because he is good. He is great, and he is good. He goes on, he says this in verse 76, And you, child, speaking of John, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. God can do that in his greatness. He can call John to be that last Old Testament prophet, verse 77. To why? To give knowledge of salvation to his people, the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. He does that for us. Why? Because he's good. Over and over, what you see when you read Mary's response, when you read Zechariah's response, is that God is great and God is good at the same time. Yes, he is the one that spoke everything into existence out of nothing, but he is the same one that comes to me and he comes to you. See, what Mary and Zechariah did in response to this most confusing time in their life, what they saw and what they said was that God is greater than my I can't, and at the same time, he is good to me and to many in the midst of it. God is greater than my I can't. And at the same time, he is good to me in the midst of it. What if? What if? What if you gave your I can't to God Today. What if? What if you gave your I can't to God today? Earlier I said that every I can't on earth is a God can in heaven. And the truth is, I believe you can give your I can't to God. 
I believe you can. I believe that you do not have to hold on to your I can't alone. So if we could just have a moment of honesty, what is it? What is your I can't? What is it right now in life you're saying, you know, I I can't carry this anymore? Or maybe you're saying, I can't keep doing this anymore. Or maybe you're saying, I can't live with or like this anymore. What is it? Do you know? Are you brave enough to admit it before a God who already knows it? Great mystery of the universe. God knows before we tell him. What is your I can't? I want to ask you to bow your head. We don't do this normally. We don't. We're going to go into communion here in a few moments. But before we get there, I want want you to bow your head. And and I don't know who this is for. This is not planned right now, just so you know. It's not planned. If you would, just go ahead and close your eyes, if you don't mind, just for a moment. And if you're living with an I can't that you can't carry any longer, if you're living with an I can't that you can't live with any longer, and you would like for me to pray for you, I'd just like for you to just stand up right where you are. If you would keep your head bowed, eyes closed. Thank you. Thank you. Father, in this moment, I lift up these many who are standing Lord, they're standing right before you, not before me. And they're coming in humble honesty, just saying, I can't anymore. It's too heavy. It's too hard. It's been too long. So Lord, we're the, we believe that you're the God who, who says, I can So, Lord, we ask first in this moment that they would have the experience of Elizabeth. That while they say, I can't, they would declare that you can, and they would declare that they know that you see them right where they are. Secondly, Lord, I pray for for them that have the experience of Mary. While they would declare, I can't, they would also say, but God, you can. And Lord, I want nothing but your will. Lord, I thank you for each person who's standing. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them divine guidance, just as you gave Zechariah. Lord, that you would answer their, I can't with a resounding sound from heaven that declares like a trumpet's blast that you can. Lord, I pray for them. 
and give them and their situations, their I can't, to you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Thank you. If you have your communion elements, would you take those out? You see, the greatest I can't, but God can in human history, we get to celebrate today. The greatest I can't, but God can in human history is your eternal salvation. Is that you get to have a relationship with a loving Father through a Savior by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we celebrate in Holy Communion. Jesus gathered his disciples together before his crucifixion, before being buried in a tomb, before the resurrection, and he told them, here's what's going to happen. He said, there's going to come a time when you're going to do this over and over again, and it's going to be a reminder of these days that we're living in right now. And when God came to take over the world, to bring healing and wholeness and hope, he didn't do so with an army. Instead, he gave his followers a meal. And on that night, he took simple bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. He says, this is my body. It's broken for you and for many. It is a reminder of my love and the links of my love for you. Take and eat. This is the body of Christ. After he had done that, he took a cup filled with simple wine. He showed it to his disciples and he said, this is my blood. It's going to be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. He says, in the future, I want you to do this. And every time you do this, I want you to remember me. This is the blood of Christ shed for us. Take and drink. So, Lord, in this holy and sacred moment, we thank you. We thank you for the body that was broken, the blood that was shed, that turned our I can't spend eternity in heaven with you. I can't have a relationship with you. Turned it into a divine I can. Oh, we thank you for your greatness. We thank you for your goodness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Great and good name. And everybody said.